It's the Gospel of Kennison. Hi, how are you doing? This is the GOK, the Gospel of Kennison, the personal audio journal of me, James Kennison. And this one is, uh, I think, 96, brought to you the week of March 27th, 2019. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for listening. Today, we're going to be talking about a very hard topic for me to talk about, and that is forgiveness. I've never had a problem with forgiveness. I've had a lot of things to forgive in my life. I've gotten rather good at it, if I must say. Um, had a had a rough childhood. Had a lot of people that I had to uh, let off the hook, so to speak. Otherwise, I would just be a miserable, horrible, uh, nasty, mean, ugly, gross person by now. Um, as it is, I'm just ugly not mean or gross, but I'm going to tell you something that's very raw. And I I really don't even want to say it. And I may not release this episode because of it, but, um, I have a problem. And that problem is that really for the first time in my life, um, I hate someone and I mean like biblical hate. Like I wish that they would die and I am, <laughs> I know <laughs> I've preached it. I know how unforgiveness works. Uh, I know that it doesn't trap me. It, uh, or I mean, I'm sorry, it, it doesn't trap them. It's a prison that holds me. I know that I am forgiven based on how I forgive others. I know that I was forgiven and therefore I should forgive others. And yet I have hatred in my heart towards someone on this earth. It's not important what they did, but if, uh, if you knew you would hate them too. (laughs) How about that? Uh, so there it is. There's, there's the thing. It's a big deal. Some of you guys are probably like, ah, no big deal. I hate a lot of people. No, no, I don't. I I don't. There's a lot of people that deserve hate, I think, you know, but I truly believe in the upside down kingdom concept that basically everything about our, our world is upside down from the way God intends for it to be meaning that uh, in the upside down where we live to use a stranger things reference um, you're you hate people who have used you or abused you but in the right side up kingdom which is God's kingdom you're supposed to love people and I know this and so please know before you judge me too harshly, before you shoot off that email, 
please know that I know that holding hatred in my heart is sinful. I know that it is something that I need to deal with. And in fact, am dealing with, as you will find out more about as we discuss this further. I realize it's a big freaking deal. And that, like I said, I know that if you hate someone in your heart, it's like committing murder. I realize that. Um, I just want to read some scripture now, now that I've qualified myself as someone who understands forgiveness yet, yet decides, you know, to still have hard feelings. Um, this is from Matthew, uh, 18. It's very famous. Uh, Matthew 18, 15. I'm sorry, uh, 21. Okay, let me start over. Matthew 18, 21. Peter comes to him, being Christ, and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? You know, Jesus says to him, I do, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. All right, calculator, you know, professional here, doing it live on the air. 490 times if I did my math, well, if Microsoft did my math correctly. Um, here's the deal. Here's the full confession. Is I know that I'm supposed to love my enemy and pray for those who despitefully use me. And I know I need to love this person. Because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. And I am working on forgiveness, but, and, and to be honest, I have, <laughs> it sounds so weird, but I have forgiven him. And you say, well, no, you haven't because you hate him. And, and you, you can't, you, you, you didn't, you haven't forgiven him is because you got to forgive and forget. Blah, blah, blah. I know. Let me read this again. Peter comes up to him and says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus says to him, did not say to you seven times, but at 77 times, seven, seven times, seven, whatever, uh, 490 times. Um, so here, here's my proposal. I've always read this and kind of thought about people hurting me like a person, you know, in an in your idea. You know, when you read stuff and you get an idea in your head of how this goes. So in my in my idea, there's this person that has hurt me 
let's just say he slaps me across the face because that's another good one. You know, turn the other cheek, the whole thing. Say he slaps me on the face. I forgive him. Slap me again. I'm supposed to forgive him. Slap him again. I'm supposed to forgive him. And that is the way I've always thought of um, what this meant. That the forgiveness was to be given over and over and over to the to anyone who took advantage of you um, and then did it again and again and again. And I think a lot of people read it that way. And I think a lot of people stay in situations and, and maybe even allow themselves to be abused or ne- neglected or mis- mistreated because they believe that that's what this means. But I, I now think of it a little differently. Um, because like I said, I hate this guy. And I know that I've forgiven him. But at the same time, I know that I haven't. And so I have to forgive him again. And when that hate rises up and I realize I haven't forgiven him, I have to forgive him again and again and again and again until it sticks. So maybe Jesus, I don't know. Can I be crazy enough to think that he knew about my situation and knew that I needed to hear that forgiveness is not a one-time thing, that maybe it's a process. And maybe it's not forgiving individual little things over and over and over, but maybe it's Jesus giving me grace to say, I know you're going to struggle. And forgiveness is not natural. (laughs) For humans, maybe it's giving me 490 times to get it right. Because it goes on to talk about a great, one of my great, one of my favorite stories about uh, the kingdom of heaven being compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves when he'd begun to settle them. One who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, but since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had. That's terrible. And repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated before him saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him of the debt. Sweet deal. Sweet deal. I just know that if that was me and I was the slave and you sold me, uh, you'd get a lot for my wife and kids, but I doubt you'd get enough for me to repay my debts. So I'm not very worthwhile. Uh, But that slave went out and and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Pronouncing that absolutely correctly. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So this fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling. And he went and threw him in prison until he could pay back what he owed. 
So when this fellow slave saw what had happened, when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and they came and they reported to their Lord all that had happened. And summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have also had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he could repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. That's scary for me right now. But listen to me. I am forgiving this person, but I know that I haven't forgiven them because the hate comes back. I talked to somebody about this actually. And they had an interesting way of, of putting it. Cause when I was talking to them and I even said it earlier, uh, the phrase letting him off the hook comes to mind. And, and it came out of my mouth that I didn't even realize I was saying, it. I know I need to let him off the hook. And this person says, you know, you're thinking of forgiveness all wrong or, you know, in this situation. I said, well, I know that forgiveness is literally me releasing this person of any consequence for their action. That's what forgiveness is, is you're, you know, releasing them from consequences. Consequences I couldn't serve anyway, you know. And she says, exactly. She says, I love counseling preachers because <laughs> you guys know your stuff. And I, it doesn't take three sessions for me to get you convinced of the truth. She says, forgiveness in this case is get him off your hook. So he can go on God's hook. Because it's not that you're letting him off and saying it's okay what was done. It's not like you're going, ah, it's fine. It's that you are letting him off your hook so he could be put on God's hook. And I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because, I mean, in... in Reality, it makes a lot of sense. If if I am trying to punish him somehow, you know, by holding this against him, he, he, all it is going to be doing is is like pulling up a nasty fish over and over and over, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. And it's just going to. But if I let it go, there is the concept of vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Be sure your sin will find you out. You know, stuff like that. And of course, there's the eternal solution for sin, things like that. People that live the way they do. But I don't know if I'm, if, if that's real, that the heart of forgiveness 
to say, okay, I'll forgive you because I want you to be dealt with more harshly. I don't know that that's a good direction. It might be a beginning and it might make sense. But when I read the end of the, the chapter here, it says my, my father will also do the same with you with each. If each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Um, you know, the context being, that we have been forgiven for so much, so, so much. We've been forgiven for everything that we've ever done wrong or ever will do wrong. A huge debt that we've been forgiven. How dare we hold a small one-time issue against someone else, which is what I'm doing and trying not to do at the same time. A lot of duality going on here and there. I just hope I'm understood. And I go back again to verse 22 when he says to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. And I hope that I'm interpreting it correctly is a possibility. I've, I've been told that forgiveness is a process and that helps because I used to think that it was this thing where I had to, I had to pray. I had to let them off the hook completely and I had to forgive them and love them and, um, act as if it never happened because I had to forget it as well. That's true. Forgiveness. But in reality, in, in real life, you can't always forget. All right. Somebody breaks into your restaurant and you call the cops. They go to jail. Next, and then they get out. They come in your restaurant. You've forgiven them. But you still have to say, you have to leave. You're not welcome here. You know? The, the, the man abuses his wife. She forgives. But it, it stacks up. And eventually she comes to her senses and she leaves him. Because she hasn't forgotten. Someone is molested. They find forgiveness for this person later in life. But they don't forget because they're not going to let their guard down around this person. They're never going to be alone with this person. Or even have contact with this person. So either, you know, the Bible's not wrong and I don't think I'm wrong uh, about the forgetting thing. So 
when, when I do that, I think it must be my interpretation of such things that is wrong. Because I'm trying to take scripture, live by it, and apply it to my life. And sometimes only through that do I really get what the scripture is trying to say. Like, I doubt I'm the first person to run across this verse about, you know, forgive your brother 490 times for the same freaking thing because it's going to come up again and again and again and forgiveness is a process. I, I doubt I'm the first uh, hobby theologian to, to pop across that, okay? Um, but... I like the way it works if I'm right because it allows for my humanity and the part of me that is um, trying to do the will of God, which is all of me, to be honest. I mean, I'm trying even the hateful part once, you know, feels really bad about the hate. Um, I want to be free of the hate and I am every time I forgive because it comes up. I realize I must not have really forgiven him or maybe I did. And it's just a temptation, you know? I don't know, but I just kind of put another check mark on a list and like, I haven't done this 490 times yet, but more than that, I think, like I said, it's, it's grace. It's grace for me to be able to process this and take the time that it takes for me to forgive completely. The person I spoke with about this, I asked him, how am I supposed to love my enemy? Because I'm, because I'm supposed to. I said, I have to. And she said, the only way you can love your enemy in this situation, in, in her opinion, was forgiving. There was no other way to remedy it. You know, there's no way to make contact with this person, you know, or face off or anything like that because I, I hate him. I, I hate him. Um, so I have to pray two prayers. I have to, <laughs> I have to ask God to uh, help me forget, you know, I have to tell God I forgive this person. And I even pray for them because I'm at duality. Um, I, I do wish they were dead, <laughs> but at the same time, I would love for them to end up in heaven. 
that make any sense at all? My, my dueling natures? Part of me that is redeemed and the part that is still carnal? Both wanting their way? But I'm determined that the redeemed part of me, the part that wants to do God's will, is going to win. And so I forgive again and again and again. And the second prayer I have to pray is, Lord, forgive me for hating him. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we probably all have somebody that we don't like from our childhood or, you know, our life. Um, people we would say we'd be better off without, <laughs> you know, having had a uh, an experience with them or a brush uh, uh, with them. I got those people. I mean, I wish my stepdad never existed. You know, he was not ever, ever kind to me. But he gave me two brothers. And uh, that's pretty cool. So it all balanced out, really. So I don't hate him. I, I don't, I, I, I understand that uh, he couldn't, he wasn't capable of loving me the way he could love them. I understand how tough that must have been and how difficult. I also realize how ridiculous it was. And so half out of understanding and the other half out of just pity for how stupid it was that he couldn't, I have forgiven him. The forgetting part, I don't know. I think when you get down to brass tacks, it's just about not dwelling on it. Living as if it, it doesn't affect you. I don't know. Because I'll be honest, I, that even as I say that, it didn't, it, didn't, it didn't feel right in my mouth because I still deal with a lot of um, issues because of my stepdad. I, I feel like I'm ugly. I feel like I'm stupid. I feel like the things that normal people would, would think good of themselves for, like talents and giftings and things like that, I, I feel stupid. My stepdad's favorite thing to do would was to mock me. Uh, he would call me a sissy. Um, I was called ugly old James and um, consistently mocked with the phrase, you and that scientific mind. Those are the three things that stick out and they've shaped me so much because it was just at such a key time. He had a chance to really be an awesome stepdad and really fill a void. 
because I let him in 150% and I accepted everything he put out. And it was those three statements that still I deal with today. Ugly old James, the sissy with that scientific mind. I've always been able to figure out how things work. I don't always do it right because I, I don't have the knowledge or the wisdom or whatever to fix everything. But I generally can look at something and, and at least have a handle on it. And I remember one particular time we were working on a, on a, on a lawnmower. And I don't remember what I said, but it was something basic. And it was correct. And something that he had overlooked and felt stupid when I mentioned it. And that's the first time I heard it. You're in that scientific mind. So I learned that being smart or intuitive was stupid. I learned that I was ugly. And um, I, I learned that I would never be uh, a great man, a macho man. And I was a sissy because I didn't like touching gross stuff. I didn't want to get dirty. So all that to say, I don't know. I don't know how the forgetfulness thing works. Cause I said that, that it's like living as if that stuff doesn't affect you, but I don't know that you can even help it. I think forgetting. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, they, they talk about how. Let me see if I can find it. The Bible says somewhere in John six, chapter 16. Some of the effect of a woman that gives birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Taking this completely out of context, I'm not going to read anything around it. And a text without a context is a pretext. But I, I read it because I think the concept at least applies here to my situation and to our situation with forgiveness. Is maybe forgetting... Cause you, cause they don't really forget. They don't, it's a myth. So is the Bible wrong? No, my interpretation must be. The context is that compared to the joy of the new child, the pain is forgotten, AKA it's, it was worth it. I've used this example before a family making their way to Disney world. They fight and argue the car is hot because the air conditioner's out. It's a horrible trip. Everybody's getting on everybody's nerves. But the minute you get to Disney world, the minute you get on that tram, the minute you get on that monorail and you're heading toward the, the magic kingdom, everybody forgets the trip. 
Do they really forget it? No. But they're so focused on the reward and, and the, 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 the fun that's ahead, the bliss, the waiting in endless lines, <laughs> that they forget. They don't dwell on the horribleness of the journey. And so maybe forgetting, forgetting and forgiving and forgetting, maybe it's more like that. Maybe I'm teaching myself something right now that forgetting is just not dwelling on it. And you do that by focusing on the joy of your life. And maybe it's the joy of not having a stinky, nasty fish on your hook. Maybe it's all right. All of it's right. That I do get it off my hook so that it can go on God's hook. And that I need a lot of, I have a lot of chances to forgive this person. And that though I can't forget what, what, what happened, I can override it and make it seem pretty dang, um, oh, what's the word? Thesource.com. Trivial. There we go. Irrelevant. Meaningless. Those are good words. It could help me figure out that about whatever grudge or memory that I would have. That the goodness that comes after forgiveness would outweigh the reward or whatever of living a life free from hate and anguish and, and holding things against people would make what happened the memory of what happened insignificant trivial. Does that make sense? See, if I had written all this down in a sermon in advance, it would be a good three point sermon, but I'm kind of floating this out as I, as I go. So I hate a guy. But I forgive him. I'm going to forgive him right now. God, I, I forgive this guy. It, it, please help me to forgive him. Forgive me for the, the hatred in my heart and set me free from it. I don't like it. It's not me. And honestly, I don't want to be tortured by this person anymore. So it's in my best interest to let it go. So please forgive me and help me to continue to forgive this person. And remove the hatred in my heart. It's got no room there. Amen. I don't think I've ever prayed on the GOK before.
It was kind of weird. Anyway, what, what do you think about it? What do you think about all the crap I said today? Anything makes sense? I'd love to get your feedback. And uh, I covet your prayers, as a friend of mine says. If you're a praying person and you pray for James, pray pray that about this. You don't need to know all the details. <laughs> God knows them. And uh, and and that's it. So I'm gonna keep forgiving and keep forgiving. And keep forgiving <laughs> over and over and over. Not seven times, but 490 times at least. If I can't get it done by then, then I, I, I promise I will, I will step up. <laughs> I will go to counseling or something. <laughs> I'm not going to let it ruin me. I would, I would say so far, since I decided to forgive this person the first time <laughs> that it's only been about seven times, maybe eight just now. Um, and then it tries to creep back up and I get angry, get hateful. I get vengeful. I don't want to do anything to this person. I, that's not true. I want to choke him. <laughs> Is that terrible? Yes. I I just want to choke him to death. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. I'm a it's it's it, it's what I want. Okay, I would never, never, ever do it. Oh gosh, no, never, never even go to the house. Never even you know make contact. I never in a billion years ever, 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 never. Gosh, no. Ah, but never. But it is true what they say about hatred in your heart is just like murder. Because, man, when you hate somebody enough, it is it is hardcore. So it's not about what this person deserves or doesn't deserve. It's It's not about me putting, you know, taking him off my hook and putting him on God's hook. I think that just happens automatically. I think it just makes sense. And I think I'm cool with that. I just don't think it should be my primary focus for forgiveness. I got to forgive him from my heart. And that's what I'm working on. <sighs> so pray for me. And uh, if this speaks to you at all, shoot me an email, james at nlcast.com. Tell me what you're thinking. I don't claim to be a great preacher slash theologian slash anything else. Like I said, I just read the scriptures and I try to apply them in real time to my life. And sometimes they make better sense and actual sense when I do that, when I, when I live it out, when I struggle with it. And I may not be correct all the time, but it's working. I don't believe forgiveness is a one-time thing. I believe it's a process. And it's good 
to read that. Maybe I'm reading into it too much, but it's good to hear that Jesus is saying it may take you 490 times to forgive this person. But if, if it does, you should, you should do it. At least that's how I'm reading it today. All right. That's it for this GOK. <laughs> I said some terrible things. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's raw. If if I were you, I would I would not listen to James anymore. But know in my heart of hearts, and in the in the good part of me, that I want forgiveness to occur permanently. I want the hate gone. Like right now, I don't hate him. <laughs> I literally don't. Like I prayed about it and I I released it and I forgave him again, but it'll come back. And I think that may be part of the trick is that I have to focus on the joy. I have to focus on the joy. I have to focus on Disney world, you know, the, the newborn baby. I have to focus on my life as it is without this unforgiveness. Because there is another biblical concept about sending things out and they roam around for a while and then they come back. If they find the place empty, they bring seven more with them. So I, I, I apparently need to focus on, uh, on the joy that comes from the pain. And that's how I will forget it. I will make it irrelevant, insignificant, immaterial, trivial, meaningless. So that's my journey. I just wanted to share it with you. Um, we'll see you guys next week right here on the Gospel of Kennison. Peace. God bless. All that good stuff.